Have you ever been frustrated trying to buy tickets online? Most sites make it complicated and then try to sneak in huge fees at checkout. That's why you need to try SeatGeek. They've made it easier than ever to buy and sell sports and concert tickets. Now, I mentioned a few times that in May, I'm going up to Detroit to check out my Tigers in Comerica Park, and I can guarantee you that my sister and I will be using SeatGeek to get some prime seats for those games. SeatGeek is the only place I ever go to look for tickets anymore, whether I'm going to a game or a concert. I got the app on my phone, and I've been using it just kind of scout some things out, get, get a good feel for it before I purchase my tickets for May. And honestly, what SeatGeek has done is they've taken all the work and hassle out of shopping for tickets. SeatGeek pulls all available tickets on other sites into one place so you save time and never miss a deal. You can even set alerts for upcoming games, and SeatGeek will let you know if the price falls. Even better, every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value so you can immediately find underpriced seats. And before you buy, you can use SeatGeek's detailed maps to see the view from your seat. Best of all, SeatGeek is always honest and upfront about the price. Unlike StubHub, SeatGeek shows you the full ticket price from start to finish and never surprises you with huge fees at checkout. Now, our listeners will get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get your $20 rebate, though, all you got to do is go download the free SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab, and click add a promo code. Enter promo code SLEEPER, S-L-E-E-P-E-R. SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the free SeatGeek app today and enter promo code SLEEPER. Welcome to episode 338 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Wednesday, April 27th. I'm your host, Paul Spohr, joined by Eno Saris. Eno, how's it going, my man? It's going well. It's going well. It really, it really, really is. We had a little day baseball. Got 21 runs and counting, which is nice. Got a full slate tonight. Weather's beautiful here in Austin, Texas. Hopefully it is for you out in California as well. Um, we're actually going to play softball. Did not think that was possible. There has been so much rain. So I'm actually, I'm actually excited about it. I, I, I kind of resigned myself to the fact that we weren't going to play and I was kind of making plans. I'm like, okay, we're not going to play. That's fine. But now that the sun's out, guns out, I'm excited. It's going to be great. We got plenty to talk about today because it's call up season. It has started in earnest, basically started last weekend and it has just continued and we're seeing guys come up left and right. Got a couple more to talk about, including a big debut tonight. Uh, one superstar going out on his rehab assignment. And then we're going to talk about some strategy here, about uh, some struggling players. And whether we're, we're cutting or keeping some pitchers. And whether we're worried about some big-time hitters or not. And then, as I mentioned, Monday, we're going to get to Todd's mailbag question, uh, which we didn't have time for last time. So we'll keep it tight. Make sure we get to that question today. As always, please rate and review the podcast on iTunes. We great, greatly appreciate that. We are at a five-star. We're going to ask you for a little bit more this time. If you can go to podcastawards.com and nominate us, the sleeper in the bust, for uh, the Sports and Recreation podcast, we would greatly appreciate that, um, as well as the, the the people's choice as well. That's the, They put that the best podcast in the universe. I'm not sure we're quite the best in the universe but I'd love if y'all voted for us for People's Choice. But at least Sports and Recreation, uh, really excited to try to 
get nominated and hopefully we can bring home the hardware there again podcastawards.com you've got until april 30th didn't leave y'all a whole lot of time and i apologize i meant to mention it on monday uh but i forgot but just get in there and, and flood them late and then they'll be like dang they, these guys didn't even start until April 27th. They still got 5 million nominations. So I think that's how many listeners we have. Close to 5 million. I'm not 100%. Perfect. Yeah, so. I think that's, yeah it's just, that's a rough estimate. Rough estimate. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter as well, at Spore, at Eno Saris, at Jason Collette, C-O-L-L-E-T-T-E. Let's dive right in. I'm really excited about this one. You know, Sean Manaya is coming up for the Oakland A's. Now, this is a little bit unfortunate for you, and I, and I apologize. I'm not. I'm obviously not reveling in in your uh, in your misfortune here. But you were hoping that it would be Jesse Hahn, and so you went ahead and gambled with him in your lineup in an AL only because you just figured maybe maybe, and he probably would have if it wasn't for a blister. So they're going to go to Manaya instead. He's been having a nice nice start at AAA so far. Three only three starts, but dominating. Ten and a half strikeouts, two walks, which is probably the key, really. And that kind of carries on from what Manaya did in the Arizona Fall League, because walks have been an issue with him coming up. But bigger than that, injuries have been an issue. So the fact that he's on the field, staying healthy so far, we haven't heard any any issues just yet. That's what I really look for, and I, I think Sean Manaya, this really impressive 24-year-old lefty. Um, had a chance. I, I believe they, there was talk that he could go really high in the draft if he hadn't gotten hurt at Indiana State. I don't know if it was one one. If there was if there was one one talk, but there was some really like top five talk. Then he gets hurt at Indiana State, drops to thirty fourth, which was with KC, and then he was part of the Ben Zobris deal last year. So he's going to debut on Friday. What are your thoughts on Sean Manaya? He's a big dude. He's a big dude, and I thought you were going to apologize for someone going for the crown and taking the hair, the baseball hair, <laughs> from me. Yes, uh, that that is true. He's also he's another one bringing some great, uh, some great hair to the game. That's so funny that you mentioned that because one of my buddies said he he's picking him up. He does like his skills, but he's actually picking up picking him up more because of the hair. <laughs> It's uh, borderline fro. I think yes. he's um, maybe Samoan in background, but um, he's a big dude uh, that uh, has, uh, I would say, inconsistent mechanics a little bit. And That's fair. You've, you've seen, I think it's you know probably related to his size mm-hmm. and, and um, just getting everything going in the right direction. And you've seen some inconsistent command numbers from him. Uh, this spring, when he went up against major league hitters for basically the first time, he walked half. He walked a. He walked a guy every two innings. So that's, that's not good. Is what you're saying? <laughs> no, it's not great. Oh, but oh, okay, okay. He did strike out 16 and 14 spring innings, and that's basically in line with the uh, 10 strikeouts or so per nine that he's put up in the minor leagues, and that, that he's done against. You know, he, he's basically he, he's ready. I mean, there's no there's no stop that has really stymied him. Uh, he had one start for Double A for Royals that wasn't good. And that's the only blemish on his on his record, really. So, um, you know, some some injury concerns. So he doesn't have a lot of innings in him. Um, but uh, you know, 2014 he managed 121 at high A. But then last year, you know, at a bunch of different stops combined, he only managed about 9,500 maybe. So I don't think. And, and then, you know, the other thing that you mentioned, the blister on Han, I think that is relevant because there's another name that we're going to talk about in a second that's really exciting. I think a lot of people are playing the, you know, which one of these two young guys should I pick up game. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I actually think the other one might be a better bet to stay up just because I know 
how Billy Bean works. I mean, I don't think anybody in baseball makes as many triple A and double A to major league, you know, uh, back and forth back and moves forth. Yeah. To, to Billy Bean than Billy Bean. So uh, if Jesse Hahn is healthy, you know, I think there's just as likely that even if Manaya has a good game, that he goes back down and Hahn gets the next shot just because of, you know, whether, whether it's arbitration and sort of playing service time stuff or, um, you know, it's managing Manaya's innings. Um, or managing Han's innings with his, you know, his innings problems, sure, uh, or giving Han a shot because he was supposed to have it, uh, probably supposed to have it next. Uh, I think that Manaya has a, enough risk that he's only up for a little bit. Uh, whereas, you know, I've been reading some stuff on on Varios. I uh, oh, sorry. No, no, that's all right. Well, let's just go ahead and get into. <laughs> but, well, I want to say one thing about Manaya um, that I did see from Bob Melvin. Actually, not from Bob Melvin. It was from Susan Slusser via Bob Melvin. When I asked if Manaya is up for one start or a little bit of a look-see, Melvin says, you bring up a guy like him for the long haul. Obviously, those things change, and let's be honest, it's not Melvin's call. So to your point about Billy Bean, we have to be cognizant of the track record that Billy Bean has. But that did make me a little bit more um, you know, encouraged that we could see at least a, a handful of starts here from Manaya and not just a one-and-done. But let's transition to, to Jose Barrios, who was called up uh, or it was announced on Tuesday, so a- after our podcast on Monday, and he's going to actually debut tonight. So some of y'all might be listening to this as he's debuting. I'm so geeked about him. Now, the one thing is there's some weather concerns, so I really hope the weather doesn't doesn't bump his start. But this is a guy I've been long time. These are two of my favorite prospects, so I am really torn. That's why I'm going to make you make the tough decision here because I, I just I don't know which one to go with uh, when I'm talking about you know fantasy leagues right now. Who do I want to get? But Jose Barrios for the Minnesota Twins is a guy that we all expected to see last year, especially because they were competing. They didn't bring him up. Now they finally bring him up. And this one also looks like it should be something of a long-term thing as opposed to just a one-and-done. Now it's prompted by Irvin Santana's injury, but it's not like Tommy Malone should be blocking him off once Irvin Santana gets healthy if Barrios does well. Plus, didn't Kyle Gibson get hurt? So they've got two guys on the DL and Tommy Malone doing Tommy Malone things. So there's plenty of daylight here for Barrios. Talk to us a little bit about him and then uh, expound on why you think he's the better bet to stick around. Well, yeah, I mean, it's back and shoulder. It's back for Irvin Santana and it's shoulder for Kyle Gibson. Gibby. Both. What's that? Uh, for Gibby, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for Gibby. Uh, and, um, you know, it's not clear that either of them is really long-term, you know, from – from the way that they talked about it. But I think you're right that Tommy Malone actually offers Barrios more daylight, as you said, than than um, than maybe Manaya even has. Because as much as you know, Chris Bassett is right now mediocre, uh, we'll have to see if that continues. I still like the package, but I still think it's more of a deep league, um, you know, 15-plus at least uh, package. Uh, I don't think that Chris Bassett has done anything that shows that he needs to be sent down. He's not... He's not, you know, giving up home runs left and right. He's not uh, failing to strike guys out. He's not having a velocity or, or injury problem. So, and, and, and what's he going to learn at 27 at AAA? You know, yeah, this so. is a and Oakland is a team that will let somebody like this kind of play through it a little bit, figure it out. They tried to as long as they could last year with Graveman until they were almost their hand was forced. Then he came yeah. back up and got good. So I, I agree with you on that piece. And then and then on top of that. They have Henderson Alvarez is going to be is going to be healthy sometime next week, uh, sometime next month. So, 
you know, Henderson Alvarez, when he's going good, is a, a sort of a Graven clone in a way. I mean, just or at least, a, a, you know, a ground ball machine with a tiny bit of upside. So, um, you know, he'll, he'll work fine in the pen. And they do need, they could use another arm in the pen. So that, that'd be all right if that's what, that's what happens. For but, Alvarez, you're saying? Yeah, for Hendo, right. But he is still a guy who started for the most part. And that between Alvarez and Han, you know, that's, you know, five, six, and Mania's really seven. Whereas if you go to the Twins, I, I agree that, you know, um, yes, with Gibson and um, with Gibson and Santana healthy, um, you know, Barrios might be a six or seven, something that seems close to Mania. But he's got Ricky Nolasco ahead of him, which he might pumpkin any time. Yeah, we'll see if he holds up. We talked about him on Monday's show. Go back and listen to that if you want a little bit of a deeper dive. We see what's going on here. The one thing I do like about Nolasco is the improved uh, ground ball rate for sure. And I know he struck out nine just last night, I believe. And so, you know, he's showing some things. But like you said, he could pumpkin at any moment. He is 34, 33 this year. And so it's on a slider like, you know, a ton. At- and then Tommy Malone is pumpkining, probably. So <laughs> full on pumpkin. Uh, He's full gourd right now. <laughs> full gourd. He's out of his gourd, as as a phrase that I've heard in the past. He's out, He's so out of his gourd. He's so far gone beyond a pumpkin right now. So that, like, yeah. just just to illustrate this even further, our 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 depth charts are updated to the moment, and Jose Barrios is second on the Twins depth chart. I like it. So uh, I think that means uh, also just reading. Um, you know, a little bit between the lines. Brandon Warren uh, wrote a, a Brandon Warren. You know, I should really check with him how to say his last name. I think it's uh, Warren. I think it's just Warren. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong too. But I'll, I I'll go with Warren. We'll go with. Anyway. Just call him Brandon. At least he, uh, Brandon. What up, B? Brandon of Rotographs fame. <laughs> also writes for Knuckle. Uh, today's Knuckleball or Knuckleball or something. Today's Knuckleball. That's correct. It. And he and he wrote um about. Uh, this situation and, and actually talk to, you know, GM and manager and, um, you know, Terry Ryan was impressed with stuff, but it also gave him a, a, a short time, you know, uh, and gave him a long time. Like he, people have been waiting for this for a while for Barrios. And, you know, Ryan said, we wouldn't have called him up if we didn't think he was ready. We had to purchase his contract. So they had to actually add him to the 40 man. So that might've been the big, the reason that he didn't come up last year was he wasn't on the 40 man and they would have had to make a significant move. Um, and the other thing he said is it's been a process. It's just a matter of command. I mean, I just don't, I don't see that in Barrios's, you know, in Barrios's line. Like I don't, I don't see a real problem with command. So I don't really know what he's talking about there. And I don't think that a lot of the evaluations I've seen have said that he's, no good in terms of command. So um, I don't know. I think for the most part, we should be really excited. I think he's got a little bit more of a complete repertoire, maybe even than Manaya, where Manaya has a plus plus changeup, I believe, um, and you know is working on the breaking stuff. Uh, Berrios has a, a plus plus changeup or a plus changeup at least plus plus fastball ninety four. Um, you know, sitting ninety three, ninety four, and um, and then a really good curve. So I, I think that Barrios slightly more uh, better overall arsenal, slightly fewer questions about command, despite his his general manager, and slightly more uh, of an opportunity to to stick with the big league team all year. A- absolutely. So I'm excited about both these guys. I am trying to pick them up in 
just about every league type, honestly, if I can figure it out in the 10 team, I know that's the toughest one because those cuts can be really tough. We're actually going to talk about some guys who might be on the chopping block. I wrote, I wrote a piece on Fangraph, uh, Fangraph's Rotograph page today uh, discussing three guys. We're not going to talk about them. You can go read that. We're going to talk about four different ones, but uh, three guys that I'm ready to kind of make a move on and then four more that I want to see if you're ready to make a move on and cut in these shallower leagues for guys like Manaya and Barrios. But before we get to those, you Darvish starting his rehab. I don't know if we've really talked about him too much. I'm not huge on Tommy John returners, so that's probably why my bias, they, they don't they don't get into the uh, rundown as often. But wh- what are your expectations of Darvish this year coming off of his Tommy John? What kind of innings do you think we'll get? I mean, I know it's just such a case-by-case. Case, it's really tough to pin it down. But is he somebody that you're investing in now that the, the waiting period is over? Would you go out and try to get him from somebody since they've kind of had to do most of the waiting? Uh, I mean, I don't think they'll give him to you. Yeah, that that's probably true. They, Cause they'd say that same thing. They've, I've been waiting. I've been waiting. Um, you know, it's a little bit surprising actually, I guess. Well, we're, we're now looking at, this is month 13. He had it in, in March last year, late March. So, uh, this is month 13 and he's going to have a two inning 30 pitch limit start on Sunday. Um, my impression was that most teams are now moving towards a 15-month timeline. Yes, absolutely. You know, yes, they'll be throwing at 12 months or so, but then there's another three months of really slow ramp-up in order to get them into the big league. So, you know, I thought it would be 15 months. We're talking about 13 right now. You know, two innings, 30 pitches. That sounds like a little bit on the early uh, – like maybe spring, like when your first spring start almost. So that would be February. So he's in February right now. And uh, I guess it's a little bit earlier than I thought. I would say it's a little bit earlier than I thought. I think he could be on track to be in the big leagues, you know, June 1. That's a little bit earlier than I thought. I think it would be more mid-June. So did I. I. I thought you might get uh, two months out of him um, or three months out of him that you wouldn't get much more than a full season. I still think that... You, if you get 100 innings out of them, you'd be you'd be happy for with what you got this year. I think so too. Uh, you know, early there was talk of like um, mid-May, and I thought that was really aggressive. And I was that's like, going with the old 12-month time. Yeah, right? and I was like, there's just no way that's going to happen. And yeah. obviously, I, I still don't believe that now, and we'll, we'll see how that timeline works. But I don't know. I just don't like to mess with Tommy John returners, you know, know, because even somebody like like Fernandez, who pitched brilliantly when he was on the field, suffered another injury and missed time. And it just seems like they're more trouble than they're worth. And it's not like uh, Darvish was all that cheap this year. He, He was what, like a top? 60 pitcher top 70 where was where was he going let me pull it up really fast here oh yeah top 40 i completely undersold it he was the 37th pitcher off the board in nfbc leagues and for half a season for half a season max and i love you darvish he's one of my absolute favorite pitchers but let's be honest he didn't necessarily have the best command and control before tommy john and that's usually the last thing to return we talk about it all the time so how good is he really going to be out of the gate really back from it I'm really surprised to see a three, uh, the, uh, basically the exact same walk rate projected for him that he had last year. Steamer has the exact same walk rate from last year projected again, and I find that really surprising considering that his his uh, career walk rate is higher than that, 
and his first walk rate when he first got to the big leagues was higher than that. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I I would go a little bit more with the projected strikeout rate, which is 10 per nine, and then at least 2013's walk rate, which was, you know, 3.4 per nine instead of 3.1 per nine. And I might even go a little bit higher than that. So I think what you would find if you put those two numbers together is probably – a li- at least a little bit higher whip than he's projected for. I think probably something that's like a 3.5 ERA with a 1.2 plus whip and uh, 10 strikeouts per nine. Still pretty good for for 100 innings. Certainly. But at that price, uh, kind of tough. Um, and then I just don't think that it's it's hard to get into that. I mean, it's hard to convince the guy who held on to him that you know now's the time to, to trade him unless. Unless I, the one thing I would say is, if you can go to a team's uh, page and, and they had you Darvish, but in the meantime they got either lucky or you know did well with their other pitchers that they selected, maybe they find that they have a, a surplus of starting pitching, and either you can trade for you or you can trade for another pitcher on his squad, um, and 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 use his excitement about you Darvish to to pry a pitcher loose if you need. Uh, that's about the closest thing I'd do. Yeah, and like I said, to your point, when I asked if you can go out and get him, I think you're right. You can't because the people who held on to him really wanted him. They did pay a big price. It'd be a weird situation for them to to back off all of a sudden and say, yeah, I'll trade him at any sort of discount. So even if you did, even if you were able to trade for him, you'd probably have to pay a pretty big premium. So just sit tight. If you don't have you Darvish, just let him come back and just kind of kind of relax on it. For me, I've always, I've said, you know, I didn't draft him anywhere. If he is back on track and better than I expect, then I'll just get that goodness in DFS because I'm just not going to have him on any fantasy teams this year. But you better believe in 2017, I'll be back on that U Darvish train for sure. All right, you know, now let's talk about some guys who are on the chopping block, or at least I think they, they definitely could be. And we're talking shallower leagues here. We're talking 10, 12 team mixers where you got to kind of burn and churn a little bit more. You, you don't have the luxury of kind of waiting things out, letting things stabilize, and, and, and then just, you know, okay, if they don't stabilize by June, I'll just go get this hot prospect or, or this Hector Santiago who's kind of making changes and, and pitching well. No, because people are out there and they're grabbing guys and they're taking a shot. And if it doesn't work, they're cutting that guy and they're going for the next one and you've got to be more aggressive and it's something that I've struggled with and I think it's why I'm not as good in a 10 and a 12 team mixer because I do get a little bit too precious and I do want to wait a little bit too long um and so I think it's time to start making moves. And that's why I wrote the piece on, on the three guys. I wrote about Michael Pineda, Luis Severino, and um, who was the other? Oh, James Shields. But we're going to talk about four others. So that, so that way you got seven guys that we're talking about here. And the first one is a guy that I'm, I was very precious about coming into this year. And I am I, my, my confidence is shaken on Shelby Miller. He has looked brutal on every every way, shape, or form, except for when he plays left field. If you can slot him in your left field position, then go ahead and keep him. But if you've got him as a pitcher right now, I have a hard time telling people to go ahead and hang on to him. I've got shares of him, and I'm probably going to divest some of them, but i got to keep others because the league is just too deep to do it. But I think in these 10- and 12-team mixers, it might be time to let him go. It's not like the skills are, are looking great. He's doubled his walk rate. He's cut his already uninspiring 20. You know, a 20% strikeout rate is fine, but it's not great, and it's down to 17%. His fly balls are up. His home run rate is through the roof. He's scraping the ground on his follow-through uh, with his mechanics. There's not a lot of good to say about Shelby Miller, and a lot of people were, were off of him this year, and they're looking right early on. What say you about Shelby Miller? 
Yeah, I'm even starting to get uh, give him the, the uh, sideways eye when it comes to 12-team leagues. Yes, Just, exactly. Uh, I think that, uh, like you said, everything has gone wrong, and there's nothing really to hold on to. I mean, there's no, oh, well, his velocities are right. Uh, it's not. I mean, his velocity is down uh, not hugely, and it's still the best part of his game is his velocity, but... You know, while he was above 94, averaging above 94 for most of last season, and when he wasn't, it was something you'd round to 94. This year, he's been uh, above 94 for one game. Uh, and, it, and it wasn't even actually above 94. It was 93.7. So you had so, to round up to even get there. Yeah, so he's, he's definitely down a tick, and that's a significant tick, as I've said before, because 94 is where home runs start to fall off. Home runs per fastball start to decline right around 94 miles an hour. It's a, a weird moment there. I think probably has something to do with the amount of reaction time that a hitter has. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just look at a 99, 100-mile-an-hour fastball and the kind of swings that people get off them. So I, I think that the that's a thing that's, that's real. He's lost the sinker, which is a real thing. I think the sinker plays well with his curve, and then the four-seam plays well with his change. Uh, which the change is better in terms of sort of absolute value, but it's a splitter, and he has he's hangs them. And I've been talk I talked to a couple people around that team, and they just said that he hangs those splitters, and he's not totally comfortable with the pitch. He's only been throwing the splitter since you know last July or so, and it could be one of those things that he just needs to get on top of. It might be one of those things where once again, yeah. You know, we see some signs late this year, and then Miller is a guy that you pick way late next year, and and we we find a resurgence based on you know a splitter, an Eovaldi type of resurgence, you know, where mm-hmm. he's still got some good velocity and he starts throwing the splitter a ton, and then the curve comes back in, uh, and the cutter and everything, and everything's fine. But right now, uh, just everything's off. Uh, all the all the whiff rates are down. The velocity is down. The um, he's he's trying to go sort of like heavy on the fastball, but it's not the same fastball he used to have. So I don't know. You know, the mechanics must be off because he's he's doing something with his hand he's never done before. Yeah, that that was a a, a big point for like that was kind of a turning point for me when I saw that. And then he kind of denied that anything was wrong. I'm like, dude, you're smashing your hand on the ground. What do yeah. you mean that that everything's all right there? So. I'm super nervous. Again, this was a guy I liked, and it's a five starts, but I'm already I'm already changing my tune a good bit because there's, like you said, there's nothing to grab onto here with Shelby Miller. I am comfortable moving on from him in ten and twelve team mixers for one of these hot prospects or even somebody a veteran that you just like better right now. He needs to get right, and honestly, even one good start I don't think is going to send somebody out there to go pick him back up. So even if if he has a couple yeah, good starts. Because he could have a good start on the road and have to go back to Arizona where exactly things are tougher. And, and you know, I've been, I was accused of bias on Shelby Miller in my bold predictions. It's, it's just silly because bold predictions are bold predictions. But uh, it was interesting. It's, you know, it's led to some introspection to say, well, why did I think he'd be all right this year? And, you know, because there is the, the easy way out is to say, well, he's going from Atlanta to Arizona. You know, and um, <clears throat> he's never had really great strikeout rates. So, you know, this is an easy guy to fade. And did I get too sneaky smart with it? Did I get too I too, mean... too precious with him? And I, and, I, and I would say this. It's not because I was forced to keep him after I tried to shop him in one league. That's 
I don't, I don't, I don't change my valuations based on that. <laughs> um, I may have just in that one league, I may have kept him because nobody wanted to give him me anything, and so therefore I might as well just keep him and see what happens, right? Um, but it's not going to change my valuation of him. I think what if there is something, it may have been the fact that I was so right about Shelby Miller when he went to Atlanta that I rewarded myself so hard that I forgot to sort of look again at him. Sure. And, Reevaluate. But, but, so, but what, I, where would we have seen this coming, though? Even those that were against him, if you didn't like Shelby Miller, there's no possible is, way this that is this is what you much, saw. Yeah, this is a this is a meltdown of, of uh, Herculean perform uh, uh, epic proportions for sure. Yeah, like it's just over the top. So that's the thing too. For those of you that were off of him, don't pound your chest too much because I didn't see anybody saying he was going to completely melt down, double his walk rate, and just become a piece of trash. I was just seeing that uh, a lot of people were saying, nah, he's probably just going to be more of like a low fours, unspectacular guy. I, I didn't see anything that suggested he was going to be trash like this. Yeah, so, so I don't know, want people then, getting then, too high on themselves. And, and going into Arizona, I said he needs to go to the high fastball more mm -hmm. uh, to separate from the curve. And yeah, he started doing that. And I said he needed to ditch the change and just uh, throw the cutter a ton. And, uh, you know, that's what he did. And he did so well. I figured, well, that must be a sustainable thing because I saw it, you know. Uh, and, and, you know, I don't know if maybe I just didn't, uh, give the park enough credit that he was going to, and, um, you know, maybe some bad lineups that he was up against. Or, I, or maybe we just couldn't see it. You know, I, 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 that has to be in play too, just because we were on one side and there are people on the other side. I, I don't know that again, I just don't know that the detractors were necessarily right either because none of what they were saying has come to fruition either. Right. I, I mean, just, obviously something is, is totally off. And as fast as he looks now, I think, you know, a couple starts might make me look at him again because, you know, it's obviously something mechanic is, mechanical is wrong. I mean, he's, 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 he's dragging his knuckles. That's there's something wrong. So whatever it is, he's going to figure – he's going to hopefully figure it out or, or be in the minor leagues. I mean, it's really – I mean, they they have so much invested that they'll probably give him a decent leash. But I mean, he really needs to figure something out. Maybe they'll find an injury for him or something. But right, um, I, you know, I think he's droppable for sure, for sure. And ten team, eleven team, twelve team. I'm getting there. Uh, the 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 reason I bring up that I have him in auto new again is that uh, that's a really deep bench, so I can hide him. I don't have to start him. If you have like a five person bench and a twelve teamer. I think he's cuttable. You know, yeah. it's, you, you're, you're, you need that space. That those places, those spaces need to be productive. You can't really, you know, if you're gonna have hold on to somebody, you almost would rather hold on to like a Giolito uh, in one of those spots. You know, someone with more upside that isn't really tarnished right now. So well, because again, even <clears throat> if even if he has one good start, it's not going to change much, especially right. like with the numbers. Even two good starts, I don't think is necessarily good. So if you do want to get back on the train, I think you're going to have that opportunity yeah. if you see a start or two from Shelby Miller. So um, that, that's where we're at with him. Let's talk about Jeff Samarja, who is going to get a W today because we would have gotten a W no matter how we pitched because uh, the San Francisco offense went off 13 runs on no home runs, by the way. And that's just the way they do it. They nickel and dime you so badly. 16 hits. They just get you. Uh, Samarja gave up five runs in five and two thirds on five hits, two walks, seven strikeouts, and gave up a homer himself. Like I said, he's going to get the W. 
but uh, he's got a 386 ERA. It's been kind of up and down. We've seen some good. We've seen some bad. You know, you can if you have a start like that today, this early in the season, and you only jump up to a 386, that means you were pitching pretty well. I think he came into this game with like a three or just under, but the skills were not matching it. Uh, the strikeout rate is actually down from last year even more, and last year's was poor at 18%. The walk rate is up. Seven seven percent from uh, uh, is up to seven percent from five percent the year before on on Smarja. Now the one good thing that I like ground ball rate back up. We saw it spike big time in 2014 to 50 percent. I really like that. It was at 39 percent last year. Now we're back to 51 percent for Sharks. So some good, some bad. Are you are you moving on from him in these shallow leagues though? He seems like a kind of a streamer in those leagues because. He's definitely somebody I wouldn't mind at home. He had a couple hits off him today even that were, you know, to the wall before before they didn't end up going. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think he's especially – and today's a, a day game, so that's part of why the ball's jumping. Uh, especially, you know, him at home at night. I, I like him a lot better than, you know, you know what, what are some – in Coors. I mean, I know he had that good start in Coors, but – Which, uh, by the way, he, he – Inexplicably is very good in course. Uh, probably a tiny sample. I think it's like five or six starts for Smart. Well, it, Smart might be it might be the cutter. The cutter. Um, the cutter is better there than your sinker. So. Sure, it's still kind of crazy though because he gets so lit up so often, yeah. <laughs> uh, spe- specifically with homers. But he has a two oh one year. Oh, I know what it is. It's only two starts and three relief appearances because oh, it, it, it's his whole career. And, and they've both been good starts uh, in twenty thirteen yeah, so and then one this year. But yeah, two two good starts. So okay. Anyway, um, you know the 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 grab ball rate is nice, but it it comes at the cost of his uh, swing strike rate and his strikeout rate. That you know he's not going to give you eight or nine strike eight or nine strikeouts per nine. Then you know then he's like a risky ground ball pitcher, which is not a a combo you normally hear. I don't buy the rest of season projections. Three forty three ERA one seven one one seven. Don't I don't buy those message. because the strikeouts aren't there, the swing strikes aren't there. He's he he tells me I had a long conversation with him recently, and I should write it up. But he he's telling me that you know he has to get ahead to throw the splitter, and so that's part of why um, you know he's uh, hasn't thrown it so much. But I still hear some risk in what he's talking about. He said the cutter is a failsafe, and it, he he uses it against lefties and righties, and he knows it won't come back to the zone. Well. You know that makes you more predictable, and now he's at the point where he's throwing as many cutters as as regular four uh, four seam fastballs, and you know that's also costing velocity because those cutters are you're sort of ninety to ninety two, and uh, and the the fastballs are still closer to ninety three ninety four, but um, you know it's shifting his velocity from the ninety three ninety four angle down, and it's because he's he's a little bit. Gun shy about homers. It's what it sounds like when you talk yeah. about fail safe and stuff. And Absolutely. So the cutter gets good rates and it does okay in terms okay. of whiffs and grounders, but it doesn't do well in terms of balls in play. And that's what you're talking about with the home runs and the and the, the Babbitt that he had last year. So uh, I don't know, man. I I don't think the strikeouts are coming back. I think that he's more the guy he is now, and I think if he's the guy he is now, he's more. You know, like three six, three seven guy that you want to hide sometimes. So how, how weird is it that all three projection systems say the same exact three four three and one one seven? Is that common, or is that just kind of a, a unique situation there with the uh, zips, steamer, and depth charts rest of season? 
Uh, it is very strange. I mean, they're, I they're literally the same. Nothing's Death different. Charts are powered by the other two a little bit, so that's not super weird. I mean, the guys, we just looked at Chubb Miller, he was about the same, I think. But, um, you know, Zips and Steamer very rarely agree, and these guys are lining up. So, I mean, they like him, but they Zips and Steamer also give him more than a strikeout and a half, more than uh, than he's than he's had shown so far. Mm-hmm. And I know those projection systems do include swinging strike and velocity numbers, but um, if you let's say you include velocity numbers, which velocity numbers are you including? If you include velocity numbers for his entire fastball as one thing, just fastball, then you'll have you know, and you don't and you don't put cutter in there. Then you'll say, "Oh, Samarja is at 93.7 versus 94.2 last year, 94.4 the year before. It's not down a lot, but the cutter is 91.6, and, and, that, and that's down at, a mile from last year too. Yeah, and he's throwing at almost double he was throwing last year. He he claims it's not the cutter's fault. Last year was not the cutter's <laughs> fault. That's the one thing I was sort of coming out about. And he says it's not the cutter's fault, uh, and I just don't. I I think that he just didn't like the situation there. So, you know, I don't know." that uh, the velocity numbers are informing those projections completely correctly, given the fact that his, he's going so much to the cutter usage. And uh, and then we know swinging strike rates stabilize pretty quickly, and the fact that he's the worst of his career, basically, uh, I think is meaningful. So yeah, I think I, he's a good pitcher. If you picked him for cheapish in your, in your deeper leagues and even in your 15-team leagues, you're fine, but... Um, but 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 for but for ten and twelve, I think it's home only for Shark right now. And and if you see somebody that you really like and you just got a good feeling, uh, you know about a Barrios or or a Manaya or a um, uh, Blake Snell, if he comes back, if he if he wasn't picked up in your league right away because he he went right back down, and you just got a better feeling, I, I understand it. I understand it. Now he's somebody that's not going to sit out there too long, though, because if he hasn't, if he has a good start, or if he has something coming up where he gets, you know, he gets the Padres again at home and it's at night, then Samarja is going to be picked up. So if you are really wanting to, you know, get him back, you probably shouldn't cut him. You are putting yourself at risk there. But if you want to cut somebody like Miller, he's probably going to be out there for you for a while. Uh, and and and. Uh... We don't have the swing strike numbers yet for today, so he might push those up a little bit. He did get seven strikeouts in 5.2 innings. So that will move things up a little bit, but I doubt it moves it past what he had last year. I mean, yeah, okay, it's, it's at 7.16. It's still not what you expected out of him. I think that probably, I will say this, uh, keep him on your roster if you can afford to not start him every time. Exactly. That's that's a good way to put it for Samarja. So that's where we're at with him. I didn't mean to do this. I always mention these quirks when they happen because it's weird and probably people are like, why, why so many in the same division here? Another NL West guy, Scott Casimir, uh, obviously off to a tough start. He's a, he's an interesting guy. I think that a lot of times, even even those who believe in him, were always a little bit worried because of how far he fell. I mean, I've said this before on the show. His career was done. And there, there was every reason to believe that it was done, even though he was only 26, 27, uh, you know, in his late 20s there. It was like, how's, how's he going to come back? He melted down for a couple of years, didn't even really pitch in 2011, only, only threw one and two thirds. He was in the independent league he, uh, over in Houston in Sugarland, which is his hometown, getting crushed. And it was kind of reasonable to think, well, this, this could just be the end. Rebounds, gets back on track with Cleveland, has a great season with Oakland, had a good half season with Oakland last year, gets traded over to Houston, was okay with them, wasn't quite as good. Um, and now with the Dodgers. So he's on his, what, fourth team in, in three years here. 
It's not been good so far. However, the skills are mostly stable, except that that home run rate continues to creep up. From Oakland, it was really good. Then last year, it was at a homer per nine between Oakland and Houston. This year, it's two and a half homers per nine. That's probably not going to last because that's kind of obscene. But he, oh, and it's 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 weird because it's been two games. It's been zero homers, three homers, zero homers, two homers. And one of those was in Colorado, but one of those was in San Francisco. And we just talked about San Francisco, how, you know, that's supposed to be a park where you're supposed to have good success. So he's kind of all over the map this year, Scott Kazmir is, and he's only made it through six innings once. Durability's always been a thing with him. Even when you draft him, you don't expect more than the 190 innings that he saw in 2014. I'm a little bit suspect on him. He's not a guy that I have anywhere, so this is more of a hypothetical for me. But where do you stand on him? And is, Are we ready to move on from him in shallower leagues? Well, he's, he's, he's slowly pushing that velocity back up a little bit and that was a big concern in spring right when he was way down yeah it's um is not back to where it was last year not not consistently at least but the last two starts he's been more 90-91 and his sinker was 88 you know 87 even in one of the games so uh, that's that's really far down but you know in terms of i mean he uses the four seamer more and uh, and he actually said something to me about it. I, I have to. I, I should have listened back over it. But I, I think he says he doesn't really throw a sinker. So uh, those must be bad fastballs that are being um, lit up there. But uh, in any case, even if you look at his four seam numbers, um, you know he's he's basically ninety one right now, and uh, he was more ninety two last year. So uh, that's down. And then early last year, you know he was more ninety three. You know, I mean, there were there were a lot of games where he over, averaged over 93, um, especially if you allow some rounding. So um, I'll allow it. I'll allow yeah. It. Late last year, he he, ta- he tabled he's tapered off a little bit and, with Houston. And uh, we could have maybe seen it coming just given his durability issues in the past. The other thing I know uh, from talking to him recently is that he's tinkering and he's working on a curveball, basically. Casimir is. And, yeah, and he can't he can't really find it. Um, and what's happening? Is, and I and I was like, well, why why do you need that for most of your career? The slide and the change have been great. Exactly. And he was like, well, to give him a wrinkle. So I have a feeling that he needs he thinks he needs something, and that there's uh, he's adding adding something to the picture to uh, to keep keep batters off of what he's doing. So. Um, is that a warning sign for you when you see that for somebody who, you know, it's kind of not advanced it's funny, in the though, career? It's, but it's funny, though, because I could come here and be like, oh, he learned a new pitch. He's got a curve. Yay. We could spin it however we want is what you're saying. Yeah, a little bit. But um, in this case, just there's there's been such a long, slow uh, dawdle. I mean, let me let me look at his splits for last year because I have a real sense that last year um, the second half wasn't as good. It, it wasn't. And, and so, yeah, while you pull that up, we are talking about Scott Kazmir here. And um, I forgot he, what I was going to say about him. Completely blank. So now you. He lost two strikeouts per nine in the second half. Uh, his FIP went from 3.2 to 4.9. Uh, his ERA in the second half. Um, the Wait, I, with the Astros, he went from 
when you're when you're just looking at the splits and, and fielding independent, he went three one three one six with the uh, Oakland to five one nine with the Astros. Uh, so I, I think you were doing first half, second half, but I'm just doing yeah, Oakland, yeah, yeah. Houston, and right. it was it was sharp. It was a sharp. A lot of the, yeah, a lot of that's the home runs because he went from 0. 0.6 to one point four three. Yep. So I mean that that I mean that's still germane to what we're talking about because we're talking about the home run. He was always a home run guy, even when he was younger and better. You know, and then, you know, magically or not magically, but with the Indians and the athletics, he suddenly got that home run rate down and was really good. And then, you know, now with the Dodgers, he's having the problem again. So, um, I mean, not, not he's not a real ground ball guy. He's more of a fly ball guy. I mean, more one to one guy. And uh, I think that he's a guy. He's kind of a streamer guy. And I and I would put him behind um, Samarja because Samarja's younger and closer isn't he samarja is younger yes i always forget um, because samarja played football see, oh he's only younger by a year i was gonna say he's also like pitches younger i mean that's he's just precisely what i was gonna say he's, yeah. he's a younger pitcher because he was also in relief too so not only do you have kind of the football thing that he wasn't necessarily pitching uh but the fact that he started in relief he's only been a samarja's only been a starter for four seasons so there's less mileage and he's a bigger dude so he's gonna be able to from a durability standpoint i agree with you i do prefer samarja over casimir right now but would you cut casimir in a, in a 10 or 12 teamer Uh, you know, with the velocity trending the way it's, the way it is, I do actually think a starter two could do something, and um, so I, I think I would uh, I would wait I would wait a starter two. Okay. I mean, what's what uh, he's got the Marlins next, so you know that could that could go either way. Or hey, is that today? They just smoked. Uh... Yeah, it, it is today because Kenta Maeda is facing Jose Fernandez on Thursday. No, they just smoked. Um, I would at least wait. I would at least wait. At least wait today. Actually, you'll know a little bit more than I do. That's true because <laughs> while you're listening to this, he'll probably be pitching or or very close to, and you can kind of get a kind of get a good look at it. Oh no, he's got a thumb injury he's dealing with too. So he's hurt. That's so weird. Yeah, right. That's another thing about him. You know, there's just too much, too much going on there. I would, if he doesn't have a good start against them, you know, I think uh, that's got to be somewhat of a sign. Okay. Uh, so we're kind of using this. Not, we're not putting everything on this start, but it, yeah, if but it pushes you over the edge, we understand is what you're trying. I to want say. him to, I want him to keep up this, this velocity trend that has him, uh, that has him trending upwards. I, I'd like to see him. Uh, stay above, you know, like average above 91 would be great. Um, he hasn't really done that this year, except for, I think the, let's see here. He did it, uh, against the giants. Okay. And that's it. Oh, and then, uh, late, uh, late in spring training, he did one once. So, you know, I want him to, I want him to average over 91 and I want him to throw a couple curveballs, and I want, you know, fewer than one. I want one home run at most. And if he doesn't really do those things. Because, I mean, this isn't a, a lineup that should really scare you other than Stanton, you know? Yes, yeah, so just don't yeah, pitch maybe, to him. Yeah, like, get a couple, you know, doubles or something. But, you know, in, in terms of giving up home runs, you know, I think Stanton's a good test for him, too, because he's he's talking about, you know, that curveball and everything. So, Well, if he hangs one and, and Stanton sends it 500 feet the other way, we're basing it on that one pitch. We're telling you to cut him based on that one pitch. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. But, you know, you, to your point about the Marlins, they're scoring, you know, 3.79 runs per game. That's well below league average right now. Um, yeah. 
It's, it's not, not an imposing enough. offense. He needs to have it, nice games. The way of saying it is, if you if you can't start him against Miami, when can you start situation? him? Yeah, when are you going to really? When when's he going to be like, oh, that's the one? No, that so. that's a great point. And I like that. I use that a lot when when we talk about certain starts against teams. It's like if you're not starting him here, then just get him off your team. If you really don't feel comfortable enough to start him in this particular situation, and again, it's hypothetical here because it'll you guys will have already made your decision to start him while you're listening to this. But if you did have him on your bench because you couldn't start him against the vaunted Marlins, then just go ahead and cut him and pick up Jose Barrios. Uh, all right, next guy. He is in the AL. Don't worry, guys. This one is tough because you got to kind of divorce yourself from like how cool he is because that doesn't matter. No fantasy leagues count coolness. So, you know, I like Marcus Stroman. It's like the Chris Archer thing. I like him as a person. I really, I really dig who he is, but I'm looking at the performance and I, I'm not loving it. I'm not loving it with Marcus Stroman so far. We're talking about a 14% strikeout rate. The swinging strike rate is down again. It was already uninspiring at 7%. And, and even from his good, let, let's just compare it to, 2014 let's just throw out 15 right now because it was 27 innings so if you're comparing it to that then you're looking at a 21 percent k rate in 2014 for stroman down to 14 percent you're looking at a nine percent swinging strike rate down to six percent the ground ball rate is still elite it's at 61 percent and that's fantastic but that's part of why he doesn't get the strikeouts because he gets those ground balls and you can't even really blame it on on babbit oh, oh bad luck a lot of ground balls are skittering through no he's got a 222 babbit and yet he still has a 437 ERA. So there's just not a ton of fantasy greatness here. And he was being drafted as a firm number two, not maybe like a fringe number one, uh, depending on what kind of league you're in, if you waited on pitching, which if he was your number one, that was that was a bad idea just in general, even though I like Stroman because he's not a strikeout hoss. Where do you currently stand on him after five starts? Well, I see a... a, a, a downturn in his breaking in in the use of his breaking stuff uh you know he went from using his slider and curve 30 percent of the time last year to 20 percent of the time this year and i think that's where a lot of the swing strikes have gone and so i do think that there's some upside for that to return just based on pitching mix you know he's faced a lot of divisional foes so far Mm -hmm. uh for uh anyone nods let me make sure that i didn't just talk out my butt Baltimore, New York, Boston, Tampa, that, you know, and then Chicago once. So uh, I, I have a feeling, you know, when that happens early on in, a, in this kind of situation that, um, you know, I know that when I talked to Jesse Hahn and, he, and I talked to him about, you know, how often he'd thrown his curveball and he wasn't throwing it much. And he said, it's early season. You know, I've seen the Rangers now uh, once and I just didn't want them to see everything I got. So I remember uh, you mentioned you know, that. I don't know if that's necessarily the case because, you know, maybe his divisional foes have seen a lot of him, but I don't think they have necessarily seen, you know, this Stroman. And there might be sort of a, you know, I've got stuff in my back pocket. Plus, you know, the results have been good enough, um, you know, for three wins and no losses, which I, I think for him it doesn't, is not necessarily a thing for us necessarily for someone to go for the win. But for him, I think it is. Uh, the primary concern. Well, and honestly, that's going to be a key driver in his fantasy value because Stroman doesn't have a lot of strikeouts. And so the fact that he's on a good team and should be in position to get a lot of W's, you kind of need him. You're you're almost at a point with these strikeout totals that you need 17 wins. And I know that that's a big burden to put on a guy because wins are so unpredictable, but right. I mean, that's kind of, you kind of need it. If someone wants to buy him from me, 
as a number one, number two. I think he his stock has fallen a little bit to a number three. But I do think he's still a number three, three, four at least, even in the in those um even in those lighter leagues, uh even in those ten team leagues, because I do think he's gonna win like fifteen games this year, which is a hard thing to do these days. Absolutely. And uh I think he'll push that strikeout rate back up to at least where it was last year. But I, I did see some of this coming. I don't really have any shares of him because Last year when he came back, he traded a lot of vertical movement for horizontal movement. I don't know if that has something to do with his, you know, his leg or you know, the, the kind of mechanics that he came back with. He did sort of a revamp uh, with the team in Duke when he was coming back. So I think that there was some of it was on purpose. Maybe some of it wasn't. But I think I think possible. it is on purpose. He likes to do he likes the efficiency too. And so yeah. you get those ground balls and you and you kind of go three and out as they say, three pitches and and get an out. And so I don't think he's necessarily focused on strikeouts, but that much contact with a with a 4.9 K per 9, I don't love that from Stroh. Yeah, I mean, even if you would actually based on Sierra regress, I mean, if you look at um uh, his Sierra it's uh, well. It's not necessarily better than his FIP and XFIP, but uh, Sierra did find a link between uh, ground ball rate and BABIP. So Sierra is going to regress him to a different BABIP than you'll see in the steamer projections. So you know you'll probably Sierra because once you get regressing him to like, once yeah once you get past. Are you still there? Yeah, once you get past a certain level, the the, the idea is that you're having more control over it, right? And you're and you're able to get. Um, you're inducing kind of the weak and medium contact. It's like a Keiko thing, right? Yeah, and I think that, yeah, I think it's a, a launch angle thing where that means you're consistently getting a lo- really low launch angle. That means that, 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 you know, every pitch is sort of, you know, on a lower pr- uh, trajectory. But I think it, uh, there might be a team factor there too where the, the team is on their toes because they know a ground ball is coming. Mm-hmm. So, any case, uh, Sierra's, Sierra's doing different things than FIP and Steamer. Steamer's more FIP-based. So, Steamer's saying he's got no strikeouts, no swinging strikes, uh, and so, therefore, I'm going to give him this. And Sierra's saying, well, he's got this plus-plus ground ball rate, so I'll give him this. And it's funny that they probably, even if you based it on Sierra rather than FIP, you probably get to the same place. Right. It's just a question of how many strikeouts you're going to put in that projection. So, I, I probably would uh regress them to a different BABIP than they have in there so they have them at like 306 295 i probably re- say he'll have like a 280 BABIP the rest of the way um which will help him but that seven and a half you know seven plus strikeouts per nine he hasn't really it's been a long time since he's done that so i'm gonna say he's gonna be more of like a six per nine guy so uh, I don't think either of us are cutting him. I, I put him in here just yeah. so we could talk about him because I, I really didn't think either of us would come out and say, yeah, let's cut Marcus Stroman because it just uh, – I'm just not. Plain and simple. I don't necessarily have a ton of reasons why not, but I do like the elite ground ball rate, and I agree with you that he will probably meander back up toward a, a 17 18% strikeout rate, which is, again, still not great, but – that's workable. That's way more workable than than 14% uh, with this ground ball rate. So I wouldn't cut him even in a 10-teamer. But like you said earlier, if someone's shopping for him and they want it, they think they're kind of buying low, but uh, but they're still willing to pay you know a, a decent sum as a, as like a two or even like a quality three, I'm I'm more open to listening than I would have been you know at the beginning of the year. So uh, I just don't know that the strikeouts are going to be there. 
consistently enough, and so then we're banking on Ws, and I hate having to bank on wins. So uh, Miller gone, Samarja home only, Casimir on the border. You know, I'm I'm probably cutting him, but we're gonna see how it goes tonight with Miami. So we're on the border with him and Stroman. We're hanging on to. We're open to trades, but we're definitely not cutting him. Does that sum it up? Yeah. All right, let's move on to some hitters. And now we're not talking necessarily about cutting these guys because these are all studs, all three of these guys. But um, I got to get your read on, on where we're at with them because they're struggling at a level right now as we get in, as we get a full month in almost that definitely has folks worried. And, you know, I try to tell them, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, especially on hitters. But let's start with the first guy, Justin Upton. And we're looking at, you know, 19 games. He's up right now, actually. Let's see if he can do something with two men, uh, two men on, two outs against Sonny Gray. But he's got a 40% strikeout rate. And that's what jumps off the page at you. 208 batting average, whatever. You know, he can turn that around with a couple hot games. All that sort of stuff. He does have his first homer of the year. You, you like when your guy who's a power guy doesn't have a zero riding for the whole month. So those sorts of things, they don't necessarily worry me as much. But I look at the 40% strikeout rate in tandem with a 4% walk rate, and I'm like, dang, that jumps out. That does give me a little bit of pause. Where are you on Justin Upton? Yeah, it's actually pretty bad because he's never had a month this bad. And the he's only had one other month where his strikeout rate was actually above 30%. So, wow. you know, as much as we think of him, he, he was 33% in late 2014. Okay. And as much as we think of him as a guy who's streaky, yes, he you know, in terms of walks and strikeouts, he's not as streaky. It's more that his power is streaky. Exactly. So, He'll get hot and, and pop, you know, 10 yeah, homers in a month. As, I'm not as actually worried about the 091 ISO for a lot of reasons. I mean, the the power comes and goes. A three home run game changes your ISO drastically. Uh, we know that ISO is bad in, in small samples. And, um, you know, I, I, that I'm not worried about. Walk rate, uh, you know, that can come and go, too. But 40% strikeout rate with the worst swing strike rate of his career, I think, you know, you can see it. It already informs all of his his uh, projections, but I don't even know if they go far enough. I mean, the projections have him striking out 26% of the time, and he's basically been striking out 26% of the time for the last three years. So, you know, to have the worst month that you've had in your career strikeout-wise and then still be the same guy as you've been the last three years, I'm not so sure. By I think I might, I might, you know, give him a 27% strikeout rate the rest of the way, you know, and that 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 would make you more of a 250 hitter. Well, and um, one thing that this kind of does with the with the really slow start for Justin Upton is it kind of debunks one of the, you know. Oh, he's a hot starter, you know. And I know I've I've used it before too, so I'm not even like throwing stones at people. We talk about guys. Oh, he's a hot starter. He's a slow starter. We've talked about it with Mark Trumbo because you see it for a few years and and it feels like it's legitimate. But he's usually somebody who starts fast, big Aprils and Mays for Justin Upton. So he's kind of going against that trend a little bit this year too, obviously with the struggles. But to your point about not being worried about the power. Um, his batted ball profile still right in line with, with the previous years. 35% hard hit rate is match. Actually, his, his soft medium contact completely matches last year, and it's it's very little off of his career. In fact, he's actually a little bit better because he's taken two percent from his career soft contact and thrown it into his medium. So we're not worried there. It's he's just missing a little bit. 
He's doing he's a pressing. little bit. He's a little bit pull happy, a little pull oppo yeah. instead of going up the middle. He's pressing, and and, and, yeah. and it's clear watching him every day as a Tigers fan that he's he's trying to hit a nine run homer. And I checked. I checked the rules. I checked archives. You can't hit a nine run homer. Yeah, I, I think I think it'll you know the weather will heat up a little bit. He's also uh, playing in a cold park. Mm-hmm. Uh, that 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 takes bad ball distance off of the end of your 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 uh, powerful blast. So. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, would you try to buy not worried about him? I think he'll still get to, you know, 23, 24, 25 homers. So I think yeah. that, that is totally fine. Will he steal eight to 10 bases? I think so. In fact, I think his OBP will still manage to be over 330 for the season even. So that'd be a hundred so, points gained for the rest of the year, which is nice. So that means it probably has to be like a 350. Yeah, I think, I think he can do it. I mean, the projections have him at 340. So that part I'm not worried about. The batting average I'm worried about. So I think it'll be another. I, I thought maybe he could get it back up to like 270, 275, you know, places he's been before. I think he's going to, you know, end the season. It, it might be under 250, but maybe he has that big month that he always has and he gets it up to 250. But, uh, yeah, so if you if you were hoping for more at batting average, I, I, I wouldn't hope for that. I think that's fair. Last year in May. Oh, here's the thing. Last year in May, he did hit 343. Let's hope he does that again. Because <laughs> last year in April he kind of he kind of he hit six homers, but he only hit two fifty nine with a two ninety nine OBP, and then he went crazy in May with a three forty three and a four eighteen. And he's one of these guys who's younger than you think because he's been around for so long. Twenty eight exactly. years old. I'm not, and and twenty eight years old without any of the problems that the next guy has. And that's because. What- this guy has been healthy for the most part. He you know? really has. I mean, and, and there's no whiff of it. I mean, he just took. If you sign that contract, you take a, a physical where they are all up in you. <laughs> I mean, they are they for, are seeing parts of you you've never seen. <laughs> for a buck thirty-three over six years, you're damn right. They want to make sure that everything is good to go, and they came out so. feeling comfortable. This is a guy who logs six hundred plate appearances a year. Yeah. I mean. The only time he didn't was when he first got started. He was ramping up a little bit as 20, 21, 22. But since 23 through last year, 600 plus easy. He clears it easily. So I agree with you on that piece as well. If you can stomach a 250 average, go get him. That's that's as, that's as strong as a statement as you'll get from me. But I, you can, I like it. I agree. Don't 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 buy two seventy five. So you're 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 more tepid on this next guy. And that's Carlos Gomez. Um, who had a tough year last year, and a lot of us thought he would bounce back, myself included. Um, 77 plate appearances in, obviously uh, 400 fewer than he had all of last year, so we, we're, we're trying not to freak out, but I can't help myself. I'm freaking out a little bit because the strikeout rate is up even higher and the, and the walk rate is even lower, and he was never really a big walk guy to begin with. So um, even with the speed piece, yeah, he's got two stolen bases, but he's two for four. He's yet to hit that first homer of the season. The Astros themselves are sucking too, so it's like everything's going sideways for them right now, and it, it, it's kind of a bummer. What's going on with Carlos Gomez at age 30 for you right now? Everything bad. I think it's the health thing. And I think we have a smoking gun for him. Not only has he had a hard time getting to 600, he's only done it twice in his career, 600 plate appearances. But we have a smoking gun when it comes to the New York Mets saying, no, his hip is is toast. Something's bad in there. That's a good point. And I I don't think I gave that enough. Uh, consideration this year when I still was saying let's go back to the well he'll be fine blah 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 yeah he's you know I think that the hip is a problem two out of four is bad and 17 out of 26 was pretty bad last year 
it's not so bad that they tell you to stop, but it's it's not 40 out of 47 uh, like he had in 2013. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's some some a doctor. I'm not a doctor. A doctor has looked in there and said they don't like what they see. Um, and then you know we have the we have a batted ball velocity. What we don't have for batted ball velocity is anything before 2015. So I can't really look at peak healthy Carlos Gomez. But sure. Last year, he spent more time with the exit velocity above average than, than uh, below, although late in the season, uh, it was already starting to be, look bad. And then this year, uh, he, he just, the last week was the first one where he got it above average, uh, average 96 for the week. But before that, he'd been below average on... Uh, and look at Carlos so- Gomez's batted ball profile, it is a mess. 32% soft contact, that's up from 21% for his career. 22% yeah. hard contact down from 29%. I mean, it's all messy for Carlos Gomez right now. Worst ground ball to fly ball ratio of his career for home for power. Uh, you know, he's looking like the and th- and the whole story of him is that the Twins and the and, and Brewers early on at least uh, and the Mets told him he needed to put everything on the ground and that wasn't working for him because he's actually a powerful guy mm-hmm. uh and then the, the brewer said no, no no just go for it and he and he hit more fly balls than he ever had before and and we had you know go go gomez but now you know he's back to 1.6 ground balls for fly balls and this is something that's going to stabilize soon uh it's a month and a half thing for ground ball for fly ball mix so you know I, you know stabilization is not some sort of uh you know hocus pocus that it's going to happen in a month and a half and it's not happening now it just means that's more likely to be real. Yes, that means what we saw for, yeah. has legitimacy to it, and, and it could it could continue worst, if these skills don't change. Worst swing strike rate, worst contact rate of his career, those things are stabilized. Um, and then if you look at uh, swing rates, uh, worst swing rates of his career, that's stabilized. Uh, he's just uh, swinging at everything, uh, putting the ball on the ground, not putting it up the middle, uh, not hitting it hard, or, or putting it up the middle, but not going oppo, but and, and not anything hard. So, you know, it's just uh, I think he's a mess. I think there's something there. I'm not. Right. Buying. I got some names for you here. I don't think I'm, I don't know if I'm dropping straight up, but he, okay. he's definitely someone who could sit on my bench for a while. Well, I'll give you some names that you, maybe you consider dropping because these guys are uh, right around that 50% mark in Yahoo. The, the first guy's over. That's why I said right around. Uh, Delano DeShields is 53%, so you know a little bit more than half. But with any chance you would drop Gomez for DeShields? Oh, you know what? That's interesting. I, I play in so few uh, shallow leagues. I know that that yeah. and that's part of the reason I wrote that thing. To, like I said, I, I I struggle in these leagues because I'm so used to deeper leagues where you keep these players like Gomez because who the heck are you going to cut them for? You know, I'm not I'm not trying to pick up Tyler Collins and have him flip off my whole team. So well, let's I, say okay, let's look at let's just look at last rest of season projections two fifty. Uh, fifteen twenty basically for Carlos Gomez. Okay, and uh, the the Shields uh, has been disappointing a little bit with the batting average, but he's basically a two fifty seven thirty. Yeah. So, actually, uh, if you, there's anything you like about what you see with the Shields, it should be the Shields because uh, that's you know the thirty you're 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 more likely to get thirty seven. And if, and if there's any sort of steals need, I think you definitely need to go to DeShields. I know DeShields has been caught more times and, and has only, has, you know, is two out of five. That's even worse. But he's younger. He's way closer to a 50 stolen base season. And he's, he's not, not hurt. He's not hurt. And, um, you know, 
in terms of strikeout rate and uh, swinging strike rate and walk rate, he's right where he was last year. He's not really known for his power, so you know you're not really banking on much more than another five six homers. So, um, you know, I think that if if you had Gomez for steals, and at this point you don't even know what kind of power you're going to get from him, then uh, make that jump. All right, this one's not going to look as favorable on the projections piece because the guy only has a year. Basically a year of, of games under his belt, 167 games. He played a buck 47 last year, 20 so far this year. That's Odabel Herrera, who's 48% uh, on 48% of rosters at Yahoo. So, you know, more than half available, having a really interesting season where his walks are through the roof. He's still hitting the ball well, already got two bombs. Or He's four for four on the base paths. He only adds up to about 20, what, what, what do we got there, about 26 with the homers and stolen bases by the projections. But again, it's because he has such a small track record. Here's the thing, though. We're a month in, and projections are still giving him basically everything that he did last year, plus what you've already banked. Obviously, if you're picking him up, you wouldn't have banked any of it. But they're saying that he's going to do the 816 that he did last year. Um, in, in 140 game, 47 games, they, they think that he can do it in 118 games left. So I'm a big Odabel Herrera guy. Yeah, if, his swing rates are, I mean, that's, the, that's the, the money shot right there for swing rates. I mean, he's, he's really changed his swing rates. And it's really helped him with his swing strike rate. It's going to put him on base. It's going to keep him at the top of that lineup. He's four for four in stolen bases. I got no problems with Odabel Herrera. And I think, I think they're missing the boat a little bit on those on those stolen bases, just because. You know, he didn't steal a lot last year. I know, but I, I think he's going to steal more too. That was something I was saying coming in because he was only sixteen for twenty four. I think he's going to get better at kind of reading uh, the, the the pitchers and the catchers, and I, th- I just think he's going to be better this year at stealing. So far, four four years for, old. I mean, it's not even the time for for this to slow down. You know. Yeah, and I like his pop. That's why I wrote up his pop. So I, yeah. In February, I, I, I think the homers that we did see suggested that there could be even more than the eight that we had last year. So if you get him up to 12 with, you know, 22 stolen bases, that's a nice 34 combo right there. I that's don't know. Close. And then he's going to have a better batting average. Absolutely. And this walk rate is through the roof to where even even if the we know the Phillies suck. OK, that's fine. But. If you're getting on base at a, at a huge clip like this, and he's probably not going to keep a 442 up, but let's say it's 360, he's still going to score a good number of runs, even being on that crummy team, just by virtue of the volume that he's going to be at the top of the lineup and, and getting on gonna, base. Who's going to tell him to stop stealing? I mean, don't steal in front of Michael Franco. Steal in front of everybody else. At, literally everybody else. <laughs> yeah. I, so I'm saying yes on Herrera for Gomez, and uh, I didn't think t- I would say that at any point. That's the hardest one for me. I think, uh, oh man, do it, you know, do it. I think that I would at least fire off a bunch of uh, trade offers. Okay. And so here's the thing. If you don't want to cut Gomez yet, I think for you, if you're, if you're in that 10 or 12 teamer where Odabel is available, you try to cut somebody else to get Odabel and then put him in for Gomez and put Gomez on your reserve. Is that something that I think that, that, that you would do? Yeah, or just sell low on Gomez because move, you're, move out you're from so, him. Yeah, you're so close to picking up Odebell anyway. Just sell low for Gomez, even like a Gomez for Severino, or go, like take a shot at a, a starter that could turn it around in the next couple starts. And, sure, and uh, and just uh, if you're that close, because it, it does, it's you know you kind of convinced me. It's, it's kind of closer than I thought when you first said the name. I said nope, but uh, you know. Uh, 
I, I think there's something there. I can't wait to get my Odebell jersey. All right, last guy. We're gonna have to. No, we can't. We can't not do that email because we promise. I know. So and I, and I gotta go. So we're gonna skip that oh, last. Let's skip the last game. guy and we're jumping right into oh, the mailbag because Todd, we promised you. So here it is, Todd's email. I got stuck, and he puts it in quotes, with Ian Desmond again this year after he burned me last year. I was thinking about making a play for Starling Castro. How do you feel about these guys going forward? Currently, I have Semyon at starting shortstop with Desmond on the bench, Neil Walker as my second baseman, and raking, by the way. So Castro would be some insurance there. It's a standard 5x5, 12-team Yahoo head-to-head. Assuming you say, go get Castro, what would be a fair swap? My trade partner has awful an awful pitching staff. I have Shane Green, Matt Moore, Rysel. Iglesias, Jason Hamill to offer. And then he offers, uh, he puts up a, a, a proposal here. Hamill, Desmond, Weeders for Castro and Lucroy. Am I nuts? What do you think, Eno? 12 team head to head. He's not nuts, but I, I'm, I'm saying don't do it. You know, I, I've seen enough out of even, yeah, I think he might even be saying, well, that email was last week. <laughs> that, that's, that's true. That the, the email Desmond's, was before Desmond has been on fire now the last handful of days, right? And it's not that that changes everything. It's just that I mean, if I did that deal, I'm almost doing it as much for Lucroy over Weeders. Um, That's what I was going to say. And then the fact that Hamill is you know, slightly replaceable. So, you know, that deal in particular, Hamill, Desmond, Weeders for Castro, Lucroy is okay. Because Castro is a high floor guy, I think. And if you pair a high floor guy with Simeon, you kind of have high floor and high ceiling at, at, at shortstop. And you even, with Walker, have, you know, another guy to play at second in case... Walker gets hurt, he does get hurt a certain amount. So that's true. Uh, and Luke Roy's a, a good upgrade over Weeders. Um, and um, I mean, I don't, I don't know. One piece is, you know, where is, where uh, does Luke Roy go? You know, if uh, if they give up on him, if they give up on the season, they and they trade him. That that's a good point. Although I feel like starting catchers don't get traded that much in season i might have that wrong but anecdotally i just i'm trying to think back to like when a big time catcher was traded in season because then you got to kind of work them in and I, honestly that speaks to your point though because if you were traded that's a that's bad we, we wouldn't want that because the whole adjustment period i think would be bad because if they bring luke roy in they're probably like okay focus on the pitching staff and and then worry about your hitting kind of uh, uh, on the secondary piece of it. So yeah, and you know what? I'm looking at his at his projections, and they're not. I mean, I know Weeders isn't really like starting every day. Um, yeah, they're still and, being cautious with him from the um, TJ, right? But their their projections are almost the same because Luke Roy doesn't have a ton of power, and I don't I don't think he's going to hit like 300 plus again. So. You're both. You're talking about the difference between 260 and 270 in batting average, and Weeders has more natural power. So, uh, you know, Weeders probably makes up for that in home in home runs. So, I'd say don't do it. Actually, I, I would say don't do it too, because I really like Hamill. I don't think he's nuts if he does do it or if he already did do it. But yeah. I, I like Hamill, and you know I think we've had we kind of have reasons why he's fallen off in the past two second halves. It was the hamstring last year, and he openly said that he was affected by the trade to Oakland the year before that, and and maybe he took that on the field with him. He just said that it wasn't necessarily right with his head, um, and, and it kind of got to him. And so he had those first four starts that were really bad, but then he closed strong. So if Hamill stays healthy, and I know that's not a guarantee because he's he's probably a little bit older than most people think because he hasn't he's been around for a while, but he hasn't been prominent really that long and so you might think oh this is kind of a new guy he's 28 now he's 33 so he's a little bit up there but um, I do really like Hamill so you you could do it but I don't see that you're gaining that much yeah um 
And, uh, you know, for the innings that you do get, Hamill is actually a piece, especially now that, you know, on some level he thought Green was a piece for him. Um, and I'm not sure that's true. You no. might have dropped it by now. Um, and, the, you know, just the blister. And, the, you know, for what it's worth, I was talking to another pitcher about Green and his many uh, breaking balls. And he was saying, he said, you know, it's nice that he has those, but are they really distinct pitches and is each of them really good? And I, I think that is one of the problems with having like four breaking balls is that that happens with a lot to, of guys. They they morph together and yep. they 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 all become less lesser because of the fact that you and it's really hard I think to keep those separate. Nobody has you know there's very few people that have three or four changeups. I mean Chase Anderson kind of throws two changeups and that's Hendricks. the only name that yeah Hendricks has like but that's a kind of that's a cut one and a you know you know you know having having you know Hendricks is a little bit different. You know, Chase Anderson takes has a one change up and then one where he pronounce more, so it goes further, right? Okay. That's what that's what Green is doing, where he's got one cutter and then one thing that's like a slutter maybe, and then a slider and then a curveball. So those are all touch and go in between those two, and I think that it's just really easy to get lost in there. It's it's the um, old, uh, you know, I, I use this one a lot though when they say we got three quarterbacks. If you got three quarterbacks, you ain't got one. Uh, you no got seven pitches, then you probably don't trust them enough. I mean, yeah. there's certain guys, you know, you Darvish has 52 pitches and he's awesome, and but there's some risk in that staff otherwise because Matt Moore's, you know, command game to game. Iglesias volume, Iglesias, a little bit of volume risk. Uh, swing strikes down a little bit, velocity touch and go as much as. We are all patting ourselves on the back for Rice Elgrace's far. <laughs> you know, it's not it's not like 100%. So, no. no. Uh, I, I think uh, Stan Pat, and then the nice thing about standing Pat with Ian Desmond, you know, yes, it's nice to have a high floor guy to pair with your high ceiling guy. It's okay to have two high ceiling guys, you know? Exactly. Um, you know, and Semyon's not going to start every day. So, what you do is you, you, you play Semyon in matchups you like, and then you play him, Desmond when Semyon's not starting. And, uh, in matchups you don't like, Desmond at home is a good play, I think. So. It's worth noting that Desmond is 4-4 four for four again. So he's back out there you know, running after after dropping down to 13 last year from, from the four straight years of 20-plus. I like seeing Desmond with, with four SBs. You know, he's a batting average liability. Um, we we kind of know that, but everything else, you know, he's, he's kind of getting going now. You you look at his season, you can really split it up ten games in ten games. First ten games, he got a two sixty nine OPS. Last ten games, he's at eleven forty nine. So, and that's and that's Desmond. I mean, I'd I'd almost, I know that you know what Semyon's been doing is nice, I, but I think I would almost just put in uh, Desmond over uh, Semyon right now. Yeah, just you know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know that you can ride the wave. I don't believe in riding the wave, but. Um, you know, because well, you never know when it's going to end. Right, that, that's the thing. It's just not predicting. It's, it's I think I stop might just do a home away thing. You know, why not? Just, just, just try and get Simeon away from home, and uh, and and use uh, Desmond in at home. Desmond at home. Okay, you know, just I like put that. yourself in a good situation. Desmond is also one hand, right? He's a writer, righty. Yeah, they're both righties, right? Oh yeah. So Simeon? you know, if any of them is playing a lefty, then just. Uh, Try to get them in. Yeah, and you can still work. You know, obviously you're not taking Walker out right now, but he'll cool down, and then you can just kind of start a three-man rotation there at your at your second and mid. Um, I know Walker. Actually, wait, you can't do that because Walker's the only one who qualifies at second. I was thinking Castro, who does both, but <laughs> I, it's fine. I think you got a shortstop platoon here with Desmond and Weeders, and as much as I like Castro, 
you're yeah. going to come out of the year all right. Exactly, exactly. So hopefully that helped you, Todd. I don't know where you're at because of Desmond's hot streak, but but hopefully we get we got you help there. Sleeperpod at gmail.com. Go ahead and keep sending emails. We'll do a full mail, mailbag episode probably next week sometime. So if you want to get your questions in for that, uh, that, that will be a good time to do that. You know, I'm going to let you go. You got to get going. I got to get to softball I gotta, after I get this posted. We will be back next week. Jason and I will be back on Sunday. Until then, take care, you know. All right. See ya. Bye.